So uh, I'll take a few moments uh, just to kind of like come in and chime in on some of the announcements that we, we just shared. And, you know, one of them is, is really a big thing for Kuhau. We call it Heart to Give Sunday. And maybe uh, for many of us, we've been a church now for about 10 years. And every year, what we've purposed in our heart is that we're going to collect the biggest offering that we've ever collected throughout the year. Uh, we call it a faith offering. We call it a historic offering. And I think that God gives us opportunities. How many believe that? That God gives us opportunities, right? And sometimes we want God just to give us the result, but God will give you the opportunity to produce the result. And we learned that last week for Vision Sunday. How many here were here for Vision Sunday? Amen. And so we believe that the practical is part of the miracle. Amen. That was a good line. I'm going to give you another chance. We believe that the practical is part of the miracle. And every year we decide what is the amount that God wants us to give. Now, I want to make sure that you understand this, not as, oh, we're just going to collect our normal Sunday experience offering. I know sometimes we kind of like already have our minds set on what we're going to give, what our offering is, what our tithe is. And what I want to say is that these are the moments that we kind of lean into what God is speaking to the house. I know it's sometimes we want to, we want to have a personal, unique God for us. Like you ever, you ever met somebody like that? Like God is for me, but he's not for you. And sometimes we kind of go to church like that. Lisa does that to me all the time. Like I'll make fun of her. I'll trip and fall. She'll be like, you see, God is, I'm his favorite. But the truth is that God wants to speak to all of us, and he does that as a body. Now, you can't disconnect yourself from the body. He says, oh, well, he's speaking to everybody else except me. No, he's speaking to you. It's funny because John came to me uh, earlier before service. By the way, praise God for our lighting team. We got a new light. We got more lights coming in. Uh, we thank you, Pastor Rowe, for putting that light together. Anyway, um, <laughs> Anyway, John uh, was sharing me, sharing with me. We, this kind of happens in the atmosphere of our generosity. Um, and he's like, Pastor Ro, I was praying for God to reveal to me an amount. And God gave me an amount. But I said, Lord, I know that this is the amount you want from me. If I ask my wife and she gives me the exact number. And praise God. He asked his wife, this is something, again, if you're married, you should be doing this together with your partner and saying, hey, you know, let's pray together. Let's see what the Lord wants us to give. And, and, and Maylene said the same exact amount. Amen. God is confirming like this is the amount. And so this is what we're asking. We're asking you to prayfully consider what is the amount that you want to give. Now, how do you know it's the right amount? Number one, it's going to stretch you. It should not feel like this. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to give an offering. Do you understand what I mean? Like, it shouldn't feel like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to give. No, it should feel like, okay, Lord, I know that you're going to stretch my faith in generosity. Now, here's what I also want to say. God doesn't want your money. The mall wants your money. Come on, somebody. Amazon wants your money. It's the truth. God doesn't want your money, but what God does want is your heart. And sometimes your heart is so intertwined with your money that when God starts talking about money, your heart starts getting tugged. Come on, somebody. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that where your treasure is, so your heart will be also. also. So what God does that he goes to your treasure because he knows your heart's there. I'll give you a quick testimony. It was a time that my wife and I, uh, my wife and I, we were... Uh, at the bottom of our money, she was without work and we didn't have no money. And um, we were down to our last $400. And collectively that at that time, that that was our tithe at the time. And we had a decision. It was like, hey, are we doing compra? Come on, somebody. Are we going to go spend this? Like we could hold on to this for about another month. Or are we going to be faithful and give our tithe? And if you don't know what a tithe is, that's okay. It's what we believe is a 10%, the first fruits that we give unto God. And let me tell you, like we said, hey, we had rent and then we had this portion of money. 
we decided to pay the rent and we also took that money we brought it right on Sunday morning gave it at the offering that was our tithe this is before Givelify so it was in cash come on somebody we gave it I promise you promise you I'm on my way to I'm on my way to church the next Sunday morning on my way to church I go into I, I'm going to open the car and I see this white envelope at the corner of my rear tire. I say, that's just the odd thing to see an envelope, a white envelope there. I go in the car. I go, I'm gonna go see what's in that envelope. I come back out and I open the envelope. Inside the envelope, there's these $400 bills with holograms on it. Now, at that time, holograms were new. I had never seen one. So I thought it was fake money. I go to my stepson. I say, Marlon, is this real money? He goes, yeah, those are the new $100 bills. They're cool, right? I was like, I just found it. He was like, no way. So I'm looking around to see if it belongs to somebody. And I knew at that moment that the Lord was just telling me, just because he's sweet, not because he had to, not because he owed me anything, just because he's good. Just because he loves me. Not because I tricked him into, you know, just because he was like, hey man, I got you covered. There's nothing that you'll ever sow in the kingdom and not reap from it. We don't give to get. We don't do that. But it's just a natural consequence that when you begin to sow, you will reap. When you begin to give, you will reap. And so we take a month out of the year to talk about generosity. And talk about giving. And on Heart to Give Sunday, I believe that we're going to raise the $50,000 that we need in this house. Amen? I want you to dream about the impossible. I, I, and I, again, I'm not saying this to show off or anything. I, this is, I'm, I'm just following my pastor's lead. And my pastor said, hey man, sometimes when we give, we have to be models of the giving because we have to stir up our faith. And I told my wife, my wife, I was like, hey, I have an amount. I want you to pray about it. And then we're going to come together. By the way, if you don't know which one of is the amount between the two of you, it's usually the larger amount that comes from God. Okay? It's the one that's from the Lord. Um, but my wife and I are going to give the, the biggest heart to give offering we've ever given in the 10 years of our church. It's going to stretch us. It's going to stretch us. It might, you might, watch this, watch this. Oh man, I'm preaching so good. We might not even need to have a preacher today. No notes, Reuben, by the way. I bleed preaching. All right. Um, what was I going to say? What was I saying? Huh? <laughs> What? What? The amount's going to stretch you. The amount that's going to stretch you. Come on. Give it to me, Holy Spirit. Give it to me. I shouldn't have made fun of Ruben. That's right. He's his favorite. Um, but this, this is an amount that's going to stretch you. My wife and I are going to give the largest offering we've, we've given. And this is where it goes. There we go. I got it. Sometimes, watch this. Sometimes you have to give up something for you to give up to something. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is my notes, Reuben. And so, and so you might have to give up. You know how much I paid for Dunkin' Donuts today for a medium latte? $5.63. But sometimes... We are more committed for our caffeine addiction than we are to our heart of generosity. And I just believe maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, would you challenge me for a second? And maybe you might have to give up something. Maybe instead of taking a $3,000 vacation, you took a $2,000 vacation and took $1,000 and said, I'm going to give that to Heart to Give Sunday. Maybe instead of, maybe you said, you know what, for the month of February, 
I'm going to save all my Dunkin' Donuts and that devil-worshipping Starbucks coffee. I don't trust that mermaid. I'm just letting you know right now. I trust a donut more than a mermaid. Come on, somebody. But maybe, maybe for the month, right? Because you might, you might say, Pastor Roe, I don't got it. And here's what I'll say. What if God gave it to you? Would you give it? If I prayed that God would give you the funds so that you can sow the seed, would you give it? Because that would, that would, sometimes we run the excuse, well, I don't got it. And we eliminate ourselves from the blessing. I don't got it. And I'm just saying, sometimes God wants to check your heart. He'll put it right in your lap. Here's $500. What you going to do with it? Are you, watch, oh, God will give you a raise. And here's what I learned. When God raises, watch this. When God blesses you, don't raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. So, God will say, hey, would you be willing to not go to Starbucks for one month? Save up that money. You know how much I spent on Dunkin' Donuts last year? I'm doing my taxes. You know what I spent last year? You don't know? $3,200 on Dunkin' Donuts. I did the math. And Sheila, I know you spent way more than I did on Dunkin' Donuts. I did the math. I ran a spreadsheet. I spent $3,000 on Dunkin' Donuts. I couldn't believe it. Thank God now I'm making money from YouTube because now I've got to afford my addiction. So what I'm saying is that we might, how many know that, right? Hey, hey, watch this, watch this, watch this. Maybe you saving those $3,000 allows you to be generous to give $1,500 towards heart to give and then $1,500 for you to save up and buy a house. Come on, somebody. Right? Anyway, thank you for hearing my heart. I appreciate you guys. It's 508. I want to share this uh, message with you guys. Now, uh, Pastor Hector couldn't make it today. Uh, he canceled at the moment. We'll explain later. Um, but we're praying for him. He, he asked, uh, again, uh, to be excused. Uh, God was wrecking the place over there. He's like, Pastor, I know that I'm not going to make it. My apologies. Um, but there's something that we've done in this house. And there's a pastor by the name in Texas, by, by the name of Robert Morris. I want to tell you that anything that, it, that comes about generosity... This man preaches on generosity, and by the end of his message, I'm crying. Like, it's not an explicit Jesus saved you message. But Robert Morris, is, he, he teaches on generosity so much that throughout the United States, multiple pastors, pastors all around the country, are using his material because of the revelation that God has given him on generosity. One of the core values of this church is that we give generously. Amen? And so, with no further ado, I want you to help me welcome, all the way from Texas, Pastor Robert Morris. So we're in a series called The Blessed Life, and it is amazing to me that this message is the most pivotal of the entire series. And yet it's very possible that because of what's happened, our attendance will go up this weekend and more people will actually watch online because uh, I, I understand you know, what's going on and we understand why we've made this decision. So um, anyway, so this, the title of this message today is called The Principle of First. And I want you to know that as a believer in Jesus, if you already believe in Jesus and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's probably no more important message that I could bring to you than this message, and that's saying a lot. The reason is, if God is first in your life, everything else will fall into place. I'm not saying you'll not have problems. We live in a fallen world. Jesus said you'll experience tribulation. Be of good cheer, I've overcome tribulation. I'm not saying you won't have problems. But if God's first, I'm saying everything could come into order. If God's not first, nothing can come into order. 
because God is first in the universe. So what I want to do is show you some scriptures in Exodus 13. I realize Exodus is a long way back in the Bible, but everything, 1 Corinthians 10 tells us that everything that was written in the Old Testament was written as an example to us. So we're going to start Exodus 13. Uh, look at verse 1. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me. That means set apart. Just a big word for set aside or set apart. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, and watch these three words carefully, it is mine. It is mine. I wish I could describe to you how emphatic this is in the Hebrew language. It is so emphatic, it, it, it implies ownership. It belongs to me, don't touch it, it is mine. It's, it's kind of like when you say to your spouse and you're talking about the last Krispy Kreme donut. It's, it's mine, I've, I've set it aside, it's set apart. Don't touch it, don't, don't think, think, okay, so let's go on, all right? So, and then look down at verse 12. It says, then you shall set apart to the Lord. See that word set apart again. That's consecrate. That's the word holy. Set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Again, this is possessive in the Hebrew, shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now we're gonna come back and talk about the donkey and the lamb, all right? Every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I just want you to notice something. If you'll not give it back to God, return it to God to whom it belongs, you're going to lose it anyway. That's what he's saying. You're, still, you're gonna lose it if you don't give it to me. Then you shall break its neck, and all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points this weekend, like normal. Uh, the firstborn, here's point one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now that's what we just read in Exodus 13. Obviously this was under the law, but there's a principle here. And we're trying to figure out what the principle is, all right? The firstborn must be, according to what we just read, sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which? How do you know which to do? How do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, the Lord gives us two uh, examples of animals, of classifications of animals, the donkey and the lamb. A donkey is exemplary of unclean animals. That is the example of the classification of unclean animals. A lamb is exemplary of clean animals. So what he's saying is, if your unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem it. In other words, if you want to use that, that donkey when it grows up, that little colt around the farm, you have to kind of buy it back from the Lord with the sacrifice of a clean animal because it belongs to God, remember? And if your lamb, if your clean animal has a firstborn, you have to sacrifice it to the Lord. So the firstborn must be sacrificed if it's clean. The unclean must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, I can already see the same look on your face that gets on Debbie's face when I talk theology. I can see it. But please stay with me, okay? This is, you're gonna find that in a moment. This is so important. You're gonna say, all of you at home, you're gonna say, oh. So that's how important this is, okay? So, the firstborn clean must be sacrificed. The firstborn unclean must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. So what in the world would this represent today? Okay, let's think about humans. Were you and I, when we were born, in our spiritual condition, spiritually speaking, were we born clean or unclean. unclean? Unclean, right? Yeah, because we were all born with a sin nature. Yeah, let, let me ask the, the, the um, experts here, the parents. <laughs> Did you have to teach 
your children to be bad? Or did it come naturally for them? Came naturally for them, right, to be bad. We had to teach them to be good, right? Okay, so we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean, okay, get ready, listen. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Now that's good, that's good. That's what this represents. Way back then, that's what this represents. See, everything in the Old Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, read it yourself, was written as an example for us and was written as admonition, or that word is instruction for us. So maybe you never thought about it this way. We're gonna talk about the firstborn and first fruits, and we're gonna talk about the tithe. So we're gonna talk about that because firstborn and first fruits represents the tithe that it belongs to God. But please hear me. Don't tune me out now. Listen to me. Maybe you've never thought about it this way. Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, and he's the first fruits. All right? Okay. But think about it like this. Maybe you've never thought about this. Jesus is God's tithe. The reason is. You don't wait to see if you have enough left over to tithe. You give the tithe first. God didn't wait to see if you would clean up and straighten up to give Jesus his son. God gave Jesus his son when we were mocking him and beating him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, Christ died for us. And it also says that God gave Jesus in hope. That root word in the Greek is the same word, you ready for this, as faith. God gave Jesus in faith, in hope that we would believe, that we would receive him. He wasn't waiting. It's the same with the tithe. Look, look all through scripture. God says, give me the first lamb. He doesn't say, wait until you have 10 lambs and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that keeps getting in the garden that you don't like. Uh, when they went into Jericho, the promised land, remember this? God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Why would he say that? Simple, because Jericho was the first city. See, the first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion redeems the rest. When you give the first portion to God, the rest are redeemed. This is amazing. And, and please hear me. Don't give the first portion to the electric company. Because the electric company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. It's very important what you do with the first portion. Because the first portion belongs to God. Belongs to him. Um, when Ethan and Elaine started dating... Um, I brought a picture of uh, Ethan Lane just to remind you. They started the church six weeks ago in, in Houston. And so this is my daughter and my son-in-law, the most beautiful four grandchildren you've ever seen in the Lord. Um, in the Lord, I didn't mean that. Yeah, probably in the Lord. Uh, but anyway, um, so they started, you know, five weeks ago, actually. This would have been their sixth week in Houston. They're running about 400 people. It's wonderful. They just got word, by the way, last night that they, they can't meet in the school this week. So the schools have all closed, and so they don't have anywhere to meet. And then I just found out that Josh, my son, that started Table Church in Austin about a year ago, cannot meet this week also. And, and I was thinking about this. We have the ability to do online services, but a lot of smaller churches don't. So I want you to also pray for smaller churches during this time. Uh, one of the things is also that most of our giving is online. Most of you just give automatically online. You know about tithing. You could preach this message for me today. I understand that. But smaller churches, a lot of it's given on the weekends. So I'd like us not only to pray for the smaller churches that aren't able to meet, to meet but also I'd like us to pray for their finances. Can, can, could we just, can you just keep that in your mind, okay? So if you, if you attend a smaller church and you're not able to attend and you want to watch our services online, that's great, but keep tithing, 
to your local church, okay? Not to us, to your local church, okay? All right, so when Ethan Lane began dating, uh, we had a young adult service, and it was in the sanctuary, and they were, they were down here talking with a group of about six or seven of them after the young adult service, and they got to joking with Ethan about what, what, what it's like to date the pastor's daughter. And you know, when Ethan came to, to meet me to talk about dating Elaine, I told him, you know, you have to date me first. And if you can get by me, then you know, you get the prize. But nobody's gotten by me yet. And I, I did the normal, normal, I really was not mean, I did normal things that a father would do if someone wants to date his daughter, you know. I gave him a blood test, looked at his bank accounts, his IRA records, you know. I, you know, I just showed him my gun collection. Normal, <laughs> normal things that a father would do. Okay, but anyway, they're down here joking about it, and then one of them says to Elaine, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing. I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And Elaine said, he does. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> and let me ask you a very simple question. And I really don't mean, I'm not trying to be mean. Please hear me. But why would I give my daughter to a thief? And those aren't my words, those are God's words. We read some of them last week. You've robbed me. You've stolen from me, he says in Joshua. You've stolen from me. You've taken what didn't So, I, And let me say another way. Why, why would I give my daughter to a man that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he, he definitely can't handle Elaine because Elaine is a handful. <laughs> so... Okay, all right, let's go on here. I'm just getting her back for the elderly joke, all right? So firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two. The first fruits must be offered. First fruits must be offered, must be. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. And by the way, this is hundreds of years after the law. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You ever seen that in the Bible? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. You could substitute the word income right there. Your increase, your income. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring, we'll come back to that word, into the house of the Lord your God. First of all, I want you to notice that the tithe always comes to the house of God. And I've shown you many scriptures on that. That's just one of the scriptures, right? But the second thing I want to show you is God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring. Here's why. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can just bring it or you can steal it. You study tithing on your own. Those are the only two choices in the Bible. You either bring it to God's house or you keep it in your account and it's called, or your tent, as it was in Joshua, and it's called stealing it. Um, when I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering? And the professor was very honest and he said, you know, I don't know. I really don't have any revelation on that scripture. Years later, when the Lord showed me the firstborn belonged to God and first fruits belonged to God, I was reading Cain and Abel, and there it was. And you'll all see it. Every one of you will see it. You will see it. Watch how easy this is. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass, it just kind of happened over time, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it did not say first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you see it? It's clear, isn't it? <laughs> In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain just brought an offering, whatever he wanted, 
he did not bring first fruits. And the Lord didn't accept it. Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn and the Lord accepted it. I mean, it's right there. Abel was a rancher, he brought firstborn. Cain was a farmer, he did not bring first fruits. But it's not just that God would not accept it. This is very important. It's that God could not accept it. Now you need to understand this. There are many, many people that think, well, God is God, God can do anything. No, God can never act outside of his character. He can never act outside of himself. In other words, he is love, so he can never not be love. He is merciful, he is gracious. So they're all the attributes of God, I've taught you about them. God can't act outside of himself. So God could not accept this. So let me just give you um, um, an example of this, of, of something else that God can't do, all right? Uh, you may have never even thought about this, but God can't think the way we think. Now, stay with me, okay? God can't think the way we think. Okay, so first of all, let's think about the way we think. We think to figure things out. Okay, God is not trying to figure anything out. This is called the omniscience of God. It comes from two words, omni and science. Science means knowledge, omni means all. So God has all knowledge. So there's nothing God's trying to figure out. So God doesn't think the way we think. Okay, in other words, God knows everything at the same time. Now, I have to say that again because if you think about that this week, you'll trip a breaker, I promise you. God knows everything at the same time. Everything. Okay, so let me, let me say it another way because you might not be getting it yet. Um, nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never, ever said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that because he knows everything. Are you following me? So God can't think the way we think. And by the way, when I said a moment ago, God can't think, and then I paused, and then you might have thought, wait, wait, there's a scripture about God's thoughts. There is. It proves this theology, though. It proves correct doctrine. Here's what the scripture says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I don't think like you think. That's what he says. So God can't do some things. We've already talked about that. That's the omniscience of God. We've talked about the immutability of God. God can't change because if he could change, he could get better. If he can't get better, he gets better. Okay. So let me tell you something else that God can't do. And this is why he could not accept Cain's offering. God can't be second. Theologically, this is called the preeminence of God. It means he's higher than all, he's first of all, he's above all. He's first. God is first, he's first. He can never be second, he can't be. We as preachers sometimes will say, put God first in your life. And that's a good analogy to help us understand, but let me just let you know, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. You didn't rearrange the order of the cosmos at all. Okay, God's still first. So God can never be second. So here's what happens. Abel brings a first offering, and God says, yes, I can accept that. Cain brings an offering in the process of time, and God says, I can't accept that. Are y'all following me? This is so much more important. People kind of get hung up on this word tithing, but listen to me. Here's what I'm talking about. Who's first in your life? Who's really first? And, 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 and if you want to take a scripture for this, Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if you want me to tell you who's first in your life, let me see your checking, checking book. Your check, or, or your, your checkbook. Nobody has checkbooks anymore. What would we say? Computer. Your, your, your money software, okay? You could look at my, at, at, at my uh, uh, software, whatever you call that, where I do all the stuff, you know, okay. But every two weeks I get paid. Here's what you would see. Deposit, then Gateway Church. Deposit, Gateway Church. It's the first check that leaves my account every time I get paid. Because God's first in my life. 
Now, I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm talking about a principle. And I really want every person at Gateway Church to ask yourself, is God really first? That tithing is a is much bigger deal than you think because God's wanting to know, where am I in the order? Who gets paid first? Where am I? So, first fruits must be offered, firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's point number three. The tithe must be first. It must be first. One is the preeminence of God, but let me show you the scripture. Leviticus 27:30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord, or set apart, same word for consecrate, same word we had for firstborn and first fruits, and it belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord, all right? So how, how does this work out? Um, well, uh, let's, uh, let's say as an analogy that you own a landscape company, and that you, you, I have you over the house, and I say, listen, I want to put in some flowers and some bushes and some mulch and you know some different things, and so how much will it be? And you say, well, all of my materials will be this much. All of my labor to install it will, these, will be this much. And my profit will be $1,000. That's what my salary will be to be able to do this job because I have to make a living at this. I say, I understand. So this will be the total amount. But the reason I broke it out is because you don't tithe on your materials and your labor because that's not your income or your increase. Your increase is this $1,000 over here. See what I'm saying? Okay. So when you finish the job and I pay for all your materials and for all your labor, and then I give you for your profit or your income, I give you 10 $100 bills, $1,000. So you have $1,000 in your hand. You have 10 $100 bills. So I want to ask you two questions, all right? First of all, how much is the tithe? $100, I, I, I realize some of you are, you know, carry the zero, okay, but all right, that's okay, that's okay, because you're better at other stuff, you know, uh, but, um, uh, but anyway, uh, so it's 10% of 1,000, that's $100, okay? So you got 10 $100 bills in your hand. So we already decided one $100 bill, that's, that's God's tithe, that's God's, all right? But here's the second question, which one, you got 10 of them in your hand, so which one is God's? Well, we say the first one, but let me help you realize what, which one the first one is. It's the first one to leave your hand. In other words, if you go home and you say, let me set aside some for the mortgage company and some for the electric and some for food and some for clothes, and here's God's portion. That's not God's portion. You gave God's portion to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company has lots of problems, by the way. And they cannot bless your finances. Here's what happens a lot, is I gotta do this, I gotta pay this bill, I gotta pay this bill. Uh-oh, there's not enough leftover for God. And what you're forgetting is, is that the first one redeems the rest. The first one brings the other nine out from under the curse. The first one brings a blessing on your home. So here's how this works in, in my home, okay? Um, uh, I get paid every two weeks, the 15th and the 30th or the 31st, last day of the month. It magically appears in my account, okay? Um, some people set it up as an automatic, and I think that's wonderful. I think that is wonderful. For me, I still like to go on and do it. Ethan, uh, my son-in-law, got his degree in accounting, fabulous steward, and Josh, they set it up just automatically so they don't forget, you know? I was asking James, my son, the other day, because James is a lot like I am. I said, do you do it automatic or do you go online and pay it? He said, I go online and pay it. Because he and I, we just want to do that. We just want to make sure we do it. But I think it's great to set up as automatic. I think that's fantastic, especially if you, you know, think you might forget, okay? But so on the 15th and 30th, when I'm having my quiet time, spending time with the Lord, I go online and I send it so it's the first thing that leaves my account. Now, I have to say something because God told me to say this in, my, in this message. And um, I've said, Lord, I don't want to, you know, like I'm trying to brag on Debbie and me because I'm not, 
But the reason I have to say this is because God's calling some of you to do this, okay? So since 1985, 35 years now, Debbie and I give 20% tithe to the local church. So we just felt like God told us to do that in 1985. So the first 20%, if you were to look at my account, there's a deposit. And then, of course, that deposit is less because of retirement taken out, taxes taken out, all that. But so that amount is much more than that, but it's 20% of the gross. And that's what we, you tithe on is the gross, okay? So we give then immediately. That's, that's what. So let's just say, though, that on, that's the 15th of the month, and um, I forget, and I have to get up early, and I have an early morning flight, and I forget that it's the 15th, and I fly out, and I do meetings all day, and then that night I go back to the hotel, and I think to myself, uh-oh, it's the 15th, and I didn't do the tithe this morning. And, and then I go online, and I notice that Debbie went to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. <laughs> You took part of the tithe and, you know, gave it to Kroger's and so we're cursed now. Or wait a minute, let me make this more applicable for Debbie. You gave it to Central Market and we're, you know, we're broke now. Okay, okay. No, I don't do that. Here's why. Because I'm not legalistic about it. Here's what I want you to know, though. God is not legalistic about this. I am not preaching legalism to you. I'm not at all. I'm asking you where your heart is. I'm telling you about a principle in Scripture that God says, will you put me first in every area of your life, including your wallet, your checkbook? Will you put me first? Now, remember where we started Exodus 13. We talked where he said you take the firstborn and you sacrifice them or redeem them, okay? So we're gonna go back and pick up where we left off and I wanna show you something very important, and this is how we'll finish the message, all right? Verse 14 says, Exodus 13, verse 14, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, in other words, as he gets older, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, one version says, by a mighty, by a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, or in other words, this is the reason I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. So here's what God said. One day your son is going to get older and he's going to ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you killing all these animals? And he said, when he does, you take your son and you say, son, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know. Uh, our family wasn't always in the ranching business. We weren't always ranchers. As a matter of fact, we didn't own any animals. We didn't own any land. We were actually enslaved people. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase because we wouldn't have anything without God. Okay, so years ago, I had this happen to me. <laughs> so I was, years ago, this was before online giving, uh, you know, you used to pay your, your uh, bills with checks. So what I would do is I'd go in the office and I would write the tithe check first, always first. And then I would settle over to the side to take to church on the weekend. And then I would write the rest of the bills. I was just thinking about it. For you younger people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks, okay? It's just, it was an old-timey thing that when we rode our dinosaurs to school, we used these checks, okay? All right. So anyway, so I wrote, I wrote the tie check. I sat over the side, and now I'm paying the bills. And Josh, my oldest son, comes in, and he sees this check to the church. He's old enough now to read and understand numbers. And he said to me, Dad... Why are you giving so much money to the church? 
And I remembered Exodus 13. And I took my son and I set him on my lap. And I said to him, son, there's something that you don't know about daddy. And I need to tell you now. But your daddy wasn't always a Christian. Your daddy was a very, very bad man. And I couldn't stop being bad. But God, with a mighty hand, rescued your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give the first of all of my income to the Lord. I gladly do it. And all of my kids tithe. And they all serve the Lord. Because they caught the principle that we put God first in our family. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Both those of you here at Sanctuary, those of you who are at home, we just take a moment and just, just close your eyes. And we do this every weekend. We're going to do it again this weekend. And just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask Him. And let the Lord speak to you. He gives impressions to our heart. He reminds us of scripture that we read. Maybe that we were taught as a child. So just, just let the Lord speak to you. And he might answer you this week in your quiet time or your devotions, whatever you call them. Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And because we're, we're meeting this week in homes all over the Metroplex and not, not in physical locations, Normally, we would have you to come down and, and pray with someone. But I want you to just take this time and just, you pray yourself. And we're going to agree. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree that we, all of us, including me, all of us can put God first in our lives to the best of our ability in every area of our life. Not just our finances. That's what this series is about, but not just our finances, in our hearts, in every area of our life. I'm gonna ask our, our host team uh, to come up with our baskets. As we prepare, I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet. And I don't know about you, but even as I hear this message, I felt like Holy Spirit was ministering to me. And in the next three weeks, we're going to be taking the closing of our time together to collect our offering. We want to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and respond to it. And I want to just take a moment just to speak to if you're if you're between the ages of 18, 18 and 29, just raise your hand. 18 and 29, 18, 29. Put your hand back down. Um, one of the things that when we began this church, uh, I was advised by many pastors and what they what the pastors told me is, Pastor Rowe, what you're doing won't work because this generation, 18 to 29, they don't know how to give. They don't know how to tithe. They're too selfish. They're too self-absorbed. That's what I was told. 
So you have to have a church that's going to reach older people in their 40s and 50s. Sorry if I'm 40 now, so I guess I'm older people. But you got to reach the 40s and the 50s and the 60s because they're more generous. And I understood what they meant. But here's what I said to them. Then who's going to teach them? That generation is going to die off. And who's going to teach this generation to be generous in their giving? And I thank God because what we said is that Christ Uncensored is going to be a church that teaches our young people how to give. Amen? Amen? So as you stay there, just praying, and we're going to respond to this in our giving. I want to just advise you of the ways that we can give here. You can give through GiveLify. Just look up the app, GiveLify, and you look up Christ Uncensored. By the way, if you want to sign up there for recurring tithing, you can. It'll do it automatically. I'm kind of like Pastor Robert Morris. I, I actually enjoy taking the moment and giving. And by the way, if you can't give 10% of $100, you'll never be able to give 10% out of $1,000. You'll never be able to give 10% out of $10,000. I love when people tell me like, Pastor Ro, can't wait. I'm going to buy the building of the church when the Lord blesses me. And I'm like, can you give 10% first? Right? I've chosen for the last 20 years of my life, I've never lived on 100% of my income for the last 20 years of my life, never once. And I'm again, I get a lot of things wrong in life. That's one area that I've just not compromised. When I met Lisa, she did not tithe. Lisa's more faithful at tithing now as a matter of fact, she lost her job and she was without work for three months. When she got her first paycheck at her new job, she goes, I'm going to give the whole thing to God. I'm like, baby, I think we kind of need that money. <laughs> She's like, nah, I'm going to give the whole check. I said, the Lord said to tithe. She goes, I know, but this is my first fruits. She gave her full check. To God. So we got four ways to give. You can give through the website. You can go, give, just give right through Cash App. You already have the app on your phone. And you can give right now. There's an envelope. If you need an envelope, would you raise your hand? If there's not one by your chair, by your seat, just lift up your hand. One of our host team will come and bring you one. But we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to either come forward to give. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're giving through your phone, just as a symbol, we learned this from Resting Place. Just as a, if you're giving through your phone, which is how I, I do my giving, I give my, my, I just want you to come and tap the basket. Just as an act, as just a symbol. I really believe that that's important. We're going to say this together and we're going to come and give this over. We're going to read this creed together. Could we say this together? Come on. Do we have the creed? Say this with me. At the count of three. One, two, three. Today I give generously, acknowledging that God has first given me all I have. I give because I trust in the Lord. I give because it is better to give than receive. I give because I believe in the vision of this church family. As I give, I believe God is opening up the windows of heaven over my life and pouring out an overflowing blessing. I believe that as I give, it is being given back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I believe I am blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Why don't you take a few moments and come up with your tithe and with your offering as we sing this song.